them in half. Every survey they do in every state, Dustin, people rank high that they want to be able to hunt every year. Just like that guy that was impassioned at the meeting last night. That's his family and everything. I'm not afraid of those guys. I'm really not. I don't think they're taking that much opportunity from us under under a, in a lot of units, especially with October dates and you know if we especially if we start t- tuning back our technology and everything. I think we can have a little bit of of it all. The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Hey everybody, Robbie Denning here. On today's Rockcast episode, I joined Dustin, the king of energy drinks Whitwer of the Finding Backcountry podcast. Dustin is passionate about helping mule deer and is willing to consider all sides of the issues. Although we don't always agree... We each learn from these discussions and are better able to support the mule deer resource we all enjoy. Today we're discussing the changes that the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources is proposing for equipment restrictions, creating mule deer study units, and more. Utah is on the forefront of trying to bring a balance to the wants of the mule deer hunting public, from the family who's happy with any deer on the game pole to the most selective big buck hunters. It can be a difficult and complicated process, but everyone who is interested in helping mule deer should participate. The public, both Utah residents and non-residents, can comment on these proposals at wildlife.utah.gov on the public comments webpage. You can address your comments to any of the five Utah regions or directly to the Utah Wildlife Board. So be a good deer hunter by keeping an open mind, listening to today's episode, and giving Utah your feedback before the Utah Wildlife Board votes on the proposals on Tuesday, November 28th. Here is that episode with my friend Dustin. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast. You are blessed today with the capital all caps, Robbie, all caps, (laughs) T-H-E, like not just the, you know, somebody made something up, but like the Robbie Denning. How you doing, buddy? No, 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 (laughs) no. Dude, how many energy drinks have you had this morning? Uh, I'm working on, so here's my new favorite thing is... One's just not enough, right? This is a common song of a of an addict, but one's not enough, <laughs> and, and so all right, all right. right, I'll I'll start early, right? I start early with one, and <laughs> then halfway through, or you know, towards the afternoon, I'm like, gosh, like, you know, I used to be like, frick, man, like, so I would wait till ten in the morning so I could space one out for the whole day, but now I'm like. Now, I'm an adult, and I can drink as many as I want, and so <laughs> I'll crack a, a freshie at, like, three, and I only drink, you know, a quarter or a half of it, maybe, and then it sits in the fridge overnight, but then that becomes my my breakfast, right? So Yeah, making I'm, yourself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Another trait of addicts, isn't it? Yeah. Justification or something? Isn't that I, the steps? I, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, except... Hey, but, but, dude, I've liked your energy drink reviews because I didn't have any idea how many energy drinks are out oh. there. I've always just been a rock star guy. And, and then I, you know, I see monsters in there. I, I guess Red Bull, the original, but man, yeah. some of those ones that you whip out, I'm like, what? I didn't even know that existed. Listen, and this, I just, listen, an episode's coming that I did with Carter and Bronson, the Epic guys. 
And I made this this argument pretty strongly, um, you know, not that they're not a bigger force, obviously, and a bigger audience, and more people follow them, and they drink white monsters, obviously, but I am the connoisseur. It's either between me and Ched Crazy, right? Because we're the ones who are putting our necks on the line. <laughs> <laughs> we got a battle going. We're willing, we're willing to put our reputations on the line and drink an energy drink called the Rooster Booster, right? That is from yep, yep. Poland or wherever the heck that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so has that episode released yet? No. Uh, you well, should name it the caffeine episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ca- have heavy caffeine talk and heavy llama talk, but it's, there you go, buddy. it probably will be out by the time this released actually. So, all yeah. right, I'll listen in anyway. Um, man, good stuff, Robbie. How the heck are you? Like, uh, oh, just... pretty good for, uh, for pretty much being done hunting for the year and, um, kind of got done early. Just didn't, didn't want my, the latest tag I had just ran until last week. So. I'm just in here twiddling my thumbs. There's a couple of late archery hunts open and, you know, you, you mostly just are threatening deer on those, but I've been trying to talk my son into going on those just so that my wife would release me for a few more days. But so far he hasn't taken the bait. So I might be done. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, is that at this point in your journey, we'll call it, I mean, is that like refreshing or is it like, you're still just like, frick man, one more tag, one more hunt. It's both, dude. I mean, I, I you know, I, I hunt a lot, you know, so I, I you know, I get tired. I'm, I'm always glad when I can kind of wrap it up. My life kind of falls apart during hunting season. I'm just trying to keep life going and, you know, the home going and work going, of which I do, but you're still, you're always behind, you know? <clears throat> so like when I got back last week, um, I got back in town on Monday night and man, it just, all of a sudden it was like Friday night and, and it was just a, a, a tornado of activity trying to get stuff caught up and you know my wife wanted to get new windows in the house so i had to jump right on that and get everything and i'm not putting them in i, I don't have those kind of skills but you know get, get everything ready for the guys to come and so so that's always good when that part's over but yeah i'm always a, a, a little bummed when, it, when it's over especially if i didn't get a deer like this year um you know you're just you, you, you want to get a deer, but luckily I'm the proud owner of a cow elk. And no, notice I differentiate between owning an elk and, and being an elk hunter. Um, so we're, we're in good shape for the freezer, and, and, I, and I really do like uh, to eat elk. So we're good there. But, yeah, man, I wish there was a little more opportunity and would love to have punched a buck tag. But I, I knew this spring with everything I was seeing and where all my tags landed, it was going to be a tough year. And, man, it, it was. But, but I had a great year. Um, got to hunt bucks up to about 180. I found um, two that I wanted badly and tried hardly to get them, and just it just didn't come together. So it wasn't all a bust, uh, but but yeah, I, I wish there was some more opportunity. Yeah. Well, I appreciated when I text you or set this up. You were very. I could tell you were like, "Okay, when are we doing this?" Okay, yep. Okay, now leave me alone because <laughs> I've got so oh, much I was crap. Just going. Razzing you, but yeah, dude, I was so busy yesterday. But I thought, no, I want to do this, and I've been getting record, getting ready to record an episode, and needed to sit down and write one. And I thought, oh, this would be perfect. We can play it on both yeah. channels, and like when you and Travis did it, those are always popular. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, once I had you nailed down, I had to move on to the next fire. <laughs> I'm getting a taste of that with a little, you know, uh, backpack logistics and we do a subscription box now and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the llamas up here anymore, but we used to have the llamas and especially like this time of year in the summer and hunts are coming and people are dropping llamas off and I, so I got to, I get a little taste of what you're probably I going bet, through, but yeah, not at I your bet. level. 
time. No, probably, dude. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't work like a hundred hours a week or anything like that. I wouldn't do that to my family. I wouldn't do that to myself. But you know, there's just always something going on. You know, from seven thirty in the morning to you know six seven at night before you can wrap it up and and uh it's you it just keep just keeps you hopping but you know that's just life i don't want to complain like well, my dad said the only thing worse than being busy is not having a job <laughs> one of the best quotes that i ever heard is from one of uh the church leaders that i'm from the church jesus christ latter-day saints right and and he he was in like a q a type session and anyway one of the comments he made that um was there, somebody asked him, must have asked him about work-life balance or something like that, <clears throat> or family family life work balance kind of a question. And he said, listen, the biggest fallacy is that there is a balance. There's no such mm-hmm. thing as balance because when I'm doing one, I'm completely neglecting the others, whether mm-hmm. it's my church calling or my job or, you know, you're just, you can't be in two places at once. And, and so to you know, that's the first step, right? Is like understanding that, Hey, we're going to get pulled different ways. And then a guy like you, I, I haven't asked you this directly, but I, I would put my life on the line and say that you're a guy who prioritizes time with your family and your wife. Like, Hey, Nope, Mm -hmm. this is blocked out. Right. Because you get it right. You get that, that you have to, you have to. And when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm neglecting them. But when I'm with family, like I'm going to be with family. So, <clears throat> yeah, one of the one of the, the, the greatest things I've discovered in the last couple of years is that do not disturb button on my phone. <laughs> and um, and it is possible to go to dinner with your family and leave your phone in the truck and all that. You know, I've really tried to practice that the last couple of years, um, you know, and, and for a while work was so crazy that you know it was hard. I, you know, I, I had a lot of employees. You know, the club I work for is open 24 hours a day. There was just always something going on. But just, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I'm like, I, I'm never done. Even if I'm at home, I'm never done. And this isn't fair to me. This isn't fair to my family. And, and, and like a lot of the experts have said is, you know, it'll be there when you get back. And sure enough, man, mm-hmm. sure enough. I, so I've, I've learned that, you know, I used yeah. to go to the movie with my wife, take my phone. How dumb was that? You know, oh, I, I, I won't be on it. Oh no, you're on it. You were you the know? guy that they put the little thing now at the beginning. That's like, click, 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 click. Yeah, and right, the right, volume's right. going down like, Hey, silence your phone. <laughs> that's right. I, t- I turned the brightness way down, but dude, I, you know, I, I needed to have it because there may be an energy drink review popping up on Instagram, man. I don't want to miss it. I want to be the first one in there with a smart ass comment. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I love it. Here's here. And here's our segue, right? Because like when we have so much going on in life and it's, it just all, listen, technology, the the biggest hoax of all time was that technology was going to make our lives easier. Do you remember back in like yep, 2000? Right? Yeah, right. all the gurus. Oh, and everyone, it's kind of like, Robbie, it's kind of like, tell me it's not like the the AI talk right now, right? Where mm-hmm. everyone's got this, we, we can feel it brewing and this AI thing's coming. One way or the other, it's going to come. Mm-hmm. It's like the internet. And we all, like, there's almost like this thing that this like, oh, as soon as AI comes, um, you know, not only do we want, we don't want them to, but they're going to take over all of our, all of our jobs mm-hmm. and all of our tasks and all these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And man, that's exactly how it felt in 2000 when the internet was popping. It was like, oh geez, like 
you know, we're going to be able to automate so many things. And, and all technology did was make, make us more busy. It does, dude. It does. You know, just like the ring, the whole ring doorbell thing. You know, my, my <laughs> wife wanted to get one. I'm like, yeah, that's great. We should, probably should have one. And it's supposed to make life simpler. Oh, my gosh, dude. That is just constant notifications. Oh, a, bur- <laughs> a bird landed on the rail. Oh, the UPS guy. Oh, there's some joggers that went by. I mean, just bing, 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 bing. It's, it's just, like... just, you're, you're right, dude. It's not going to get less. Yeah. That reminds me when we put we'd put trail cameras up where there was cows not unknowingly but we'd put trail cameras like down in utah where there's cows and you'd go check camera and you were so excited to see what was on there four thousand pictures of some stupid cow just sitting there licking her nose like oh my gosh or worse dude i've seen worse with cows you know backing right up to the camera um (laughs) yeah yeah, dude i've i filled several sd cards to four thousand capacity just nothing but but beef cows and you know what maybe there was a buck in there maybe there was a giant buck that i i didn't really go through all the pictures he's probably using them as a yeah he's probably using it as a shield like jeremiah johnson with the the horse and the elk like (laughs) robbie doesn't know how many feet a cow has walk out there so i can get a drink (laughs) (laughs) hey hey, speaking of that dude our buddy our buddy not really born a hunter um um, as monikered by you probably the greatest name on instagram i'm gonna i'm gonna use that forever um i went hunting with him uh, a couple weeks ago and dude he does the jeremiah johnson with his mule like his mule will like let him walk beside it and kind of hide behind it my horse gets confused when i try to do it like why why are you walking over there i thought i was supposed to stay behind you so i have to take a stick and like wrap wrap the reins around the end of the stick and then hold the stick out in front of me, you know, a couple feet. And then the horse knows, okay, I should follow that. But dude, Travis, he, he just jumps off. off the mule. I mean, dude, they're, they're like soulmates and the mule reads his mind and they, <laughs> they just walk along and the mule just covers him up. So whatever he's trying to block himself, can't see it. It's, it's amazing. Interesting. Of course, of course, Travis knows how to do that. <clears throat> yeah, of course he does. Doesn't he? Right. And that, that's a good point because when I trained my horse, like I followed along with, uh, you know, a guy that's more of a, a rodeo type, you know, horse breaker, right? Performance horse stuff. And mm-hmm. 90% of it's the same. But like things that I didn't like was just that. He he would teach uh, his horse. He wanted his horses to lead by the side, right? That's how they, mm-hmm. when they're walking them from, you know, whatever, the arena or the barn to their, you know, round pen stuff. He wanted him walking beside, and I skipped that because, like you said, in the backcountry, it might just be a tiny little trail, and a horse that thinks it needs to walk beside you is a pain in the hind yes. end, right? Yes, right. And dangerous. we've, yeah, we've never, and dangerous, we've never had that application, and so until now, um, <laughs> apparently, I need to get Poncho trained to, to do tricks off to the side but yeah just do the stick like i did you just get a stick and tie it around and, and, and unless you're going to be like travis and you spend so much time with your mule that yeah. they, they begin to read your mind huh interesting always a trick with that guy um oh yeah he's a hoot talent with and, yeah. and 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 dude we were there a couple days before he violated the no swear rule so dude i'm thinking that's a podcast thing you know because i mean every time he's on a podcast i set the timer and I think he has the record on your podcast. He made it 44 seconds that yep. one time. Remember yep. that? Yep. Yeah, I mean, dude, dude, he's not, he wasn't like that when we were up hunting, dude. It took a couple of days before I, before I heard one of them come squeaking out. Huh. So he's, he's like a, you know, a gentleman in the street, but a, you know, a bad boy on the podcast. Yeah. He's a brawler on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Travis. Love you, buddy. Oh man. Speaking of Travis, he's down in that kind of that Utah is, is he actual Utah resident? I can't keep, uh, no, well, Idaho? he is, but he lives in Idaho. 
And okay. so let me explain this. So uh -oh. you know, he, he lived lived in Utah for a lot of years, and then then he jumped the border and he and he moved over into Idaho, and he started he started saying he was an Idaho resident. I said, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> five years, five years, you can call yourself an Idaho resident. I mean, in Wyoming, you have to be there like ten. <laughs> I said, so man, I'm cutting you a deal. So yeah, dude, he lives in Idaho, but he's still a Utah resident in my mind. <laughs> I've I've only been up here five, and I'm I'm I feel you. Like I still listen. I still have not bought the signature Wyoming cowboy logo and put it on like on my truck or like a flag out front or something. Right? Like I know my place. I've only been here five years. I'm not entitled to buy the Wyoming uh, cowboy. You know, riding a bronc. Yeah, dude. All respect to you, bro, for staying in your lane. You're, I mean, even lane. though you were wearing the hat long before you came to Wyoming, man. Yeah, I, I, I think that's great, dude. And, and, and have you bought your lifetime license in Wyoming? No, is that a because thing? you can't, dude? You can't buy one till you've lived there for ten years. <laughs> is that a truth, honestly? Yeah, that's the truth, dude. I've looked it up before. Lifetime. Not deer license, just lifetime hunting license. Well, hunting, whatever, you, your lifetime privileges. So you can't, like, move to Wyoming for, you know, yeah. six months, like buy a do. lifetime yeah. license, move away, and then still stay in the resident pools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, okay. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. I'm not planning on going anywhere yet, so. Yeah, so right now, dude, you're all, all, all hat, no Wyoming. Yeah. But in a couple <laughs> of years, you'll be all hat and Wyoming. Yep. All hat and no cow for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I at least do have a horse, but yes, you do. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back to Utah. They're uh, they're stirring some stuff up down there, and uh, <clears throat> you know, you had you. I thought you came to mind instantly when I was like, "Man, I we gotta get on and I gotta talk to somebody about this um, because you." And I don't I don't know that you guys when you had uh, who was that biologist? He was from Wyoming, right? Jeff Short. Jeff Short. And you had him on, and you guys were just Gary Fralick. <sighs> Jeff Short sounds more familiar. Jeff Short was the episode we did on point restrictions. He did the big that's, point restrictions. That's study. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I don't think you guys knew or or Utah wasn't in play yet necessarily with this. So you guys were just talking Wyoming stuff, probably. Um, actually, Jeff had done a whole Westwide study on the history of point restriction. Right, but at this is an old, old yeah. And trick, I went, I went know, back and, through and read that now, and and even hearing you, you know, and then reading it is just even more eye opening. But anyway, yeah. you know, you guys were you guys were just kind of talking Wyoming or generalities, I guess, at the time. But I think it was Wyoming that was had a bunch of a APR talk at the time. Yeah, Wyoming was the focus because this year part of their management strategy. Uh, that's right after the hard winter was to go that's right point restriction across all what do they have 17 subunits in the wyoming range i might not have that number right yeah. but they, they put it across all of them where on other years it's it, 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 it they move it around a little bit yeah which what i took away from jeff's conversation is it's not you know for the listeners you know we're point restrictions don't do what most people hope they're going to do but there are a few bright spots in there that if you apply them right and jeff brought that out in that episode of you know that, that they can help and so i know we'll be talking about that today because utah's about to dive back into them yeah and so yeah and you know the the winds of change always blow strongest when things are not going well and i it mm -hmm. one thing you learn in life is it doesn't matter if it's 
at work. It doesn't matter if it's with mule deer. It doesn't matter if it's politics in the world. As soon as something goes wrong, people are smart enough to jump in that want to see an agenda pushed because that's their chance, right? Yeah, there's right, some exactly, co- there's dude. some quote about that, but but yeah. that and that's I mean Utah is taking it to a whole nother level, um, <clears throat> and I want to get you know half half of what we'll talk about is that APR stuff. The other half is some very the most drastic weapon uh, changes you know that I've seen. Now these are these are micro micro uh, you know cases where they're they're isolating them to smaller units. And so, um, but I'm, I was very curious what you would think about this. So, so first of all, let's, let's just go back for, for everybody and redefine it an APR antler point restriction and kind of, again, the, why don't we take one step back further and let everybody know what, what's going on with this whole process? Because I think unless you live in Utah and even if you do, okay. you probably don't know what's going on with the whole rack process and the presentations. Cause Utah is like super early on this stuff compared to a lot of States. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I don't completely understand it, but if I organized it in my head, Utah's got, you know, they've got the, 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 the department of natural resources, right? Their biologist team and, and the state, and then they've got these, uh, and then they've got the 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 actual, you know, it, it sounds to me, Robbie. Do they have someone at the at the state level that gets to actually implement, you know, uh, wildlife, you know, laws or or these type of things? Or who's who's actually like, you know, the the gavel drops and like they're the ones that make the final decision in Utah? Is it? Well, let me just read their opening paragraph here because it kind of sums it up. And for anybody that wants to catch up on this, you can just go to the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources website. Go to their public meetings page. They've got everything on there, including videos of the proposals. But the opening paragraph is, the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources is proposing changes to several rules and is requesting the public's feedback. Over the next month, each of Utah's five Regional Advisory Councils, also known as RACs, will meet to discuss these proposals and submit recommendations to the Utah Wildlife Board. Okay. The Utah Wildlife Board will then vote on the proposals. So where we're at right now is in the, in the, in, in the public comment period and these regional right. advisory councils. I believe you attended one last night, right? Yep. So I, I set in a live one, um, and it, it was specific to the Southern region. Right. But these have, like you said, I think there's five, you know, picture Utah being broken into five general regions. And this was the Southern region where I believe a hundred percent of these, these, uh, new proposals or these, uh, you know, pl- uh, theories or whatever they're testing are going to be implemented. And so, so the setting was there was the natural resource guy from the state that was the biologist that was there defending, you know, I don't, I want to say defending. He was just explaining. He was the spokesman for why the, 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 the department had chosen these things. Right. <clears throat> and then, then there was the rack uh, council, right? There's, there's actually, mm-hmm. there's gotta be nine or 11 of them at least. Cause there was, I think there was, Geez, there was like nine in person and a few on the phone, um, or, or no, there, there was there's f- there's five racks, five racks, up of... yeah. But there was, you know, I think there's nine members probably. Um, I see. Plus I see a plus a. Uh, anyway, it, it's it's eight, nine, ten members, and so 
yeah, they, they were there presenting these changes. And, and basically what they've proposed is this, this is, let me give you Dustin's takeaway. The state doesn't want to look at any other outside data and they don't want to even look at their own past data. They want to just, they want to like have these little test units and just redo all the, all their studies. Okay. And, and so in other words, what, what they're doing and what they're proposing and, and it's, and we'll just leave it at that. It's, it was, it's proposal, but, um, they're basically, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all these, all these tests, right? And so in one unit specifically, um, the Pine Valley unit, they're, they're, the only change they're going to make is they're going to go, they want to go to a four point only, uh, APR, antler point restriction. You can only take four point bucks in another neighboring unit. And I don't, I don't remember all of them, um, like uh beaver and southwest beaver southwest uh, had some changes yeah Dutton. they went to a shortened general season dates yep um a two-week archery hunt and a five-day muzzleloader hunt so they only just a five-day uh any legal weapon hunt okay so in those they only the only uh variable was the hunt dates right yep yeah the length of the hunt uh and then on the i think it was dutton, dutton yeah they they did both they did a shortened dates and they're proposing drastic weapon use uh restrictions right is that do i have that right i'm looking at the list and it says on the dutton unit weapon restrictions will be based on the recently passed definitions it it does not include the shortened dates they're okay. just going to go with the, the the so taking scopes off of muzzle loaders is the, the biggest change but there's also somewhere there's a unit where the archery equipment has reverted back to longbow only. I heard him say that, and I didn't. It, it's not in the memorandum, but I heard it in the video that one of them is going to be yep. traditional arch. No compound bows. Is what no, no compound bows. Very and, and hold on though, on on the muzzleloader, it's traditional, like 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 cap and ball almost, like no. You know what no I mean? Inline. No inline, like to traditional musket with with original, you know, uh, and and open sight only on rifles. So, in other words, your grandpa's thirty thirty. Yep. Uh, my new sharps that I got would work, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but only you know rifles that only had single uh, or uh, open sights. Gotcha. So I didn't catch that part. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Yep. And, uh, so we'll go with the same season dates, but but the but the new what it says the newly passed uh, definitions for weapons restrictions. So they're I, gonna I, they're gonna try have a, a study area to take take everything back to 1958. <laughs> yes, and so right off, like you know that where here's the first thing I thought, Robbie. Tell me what you think. Is right off, I'm like, how can how could one unit possibly be compared to another unit, right? It's almost like they're taking these these sample units and they're going to manipulate the variables and then assume that okay, if if a if a four point APR happens to work the way they want it to in in Pine Valley, boom, we're going to apply that to these other you know maybe six or eight other units where people also want to see trophy bucks or whatever. D Am I wrong to think like the that one unit's going to act and be completely different with the same type of restriction possibly than another unit? 
Well, I'm going to answer that one in long form. There's there's two others, four other unit, three other units in here we missed of what they're going to do. Um, in the Boulder, um, I never can say it, Kaplowitz. Yeah. You live down there. What What is it? How do you say I, it? I think I can't say it either. Kaplowitz. Yeah, <laughs> everybody Kuiper-Witz. knows. So it's that like going to have sauce. all three of the above strategies with weapons restrictions and shortened seasons and APRs. Although I don't think the weapons restrictions go all the way down to traditional only and no inlines. I think it was just no scopes. People need to jump in and watch these videos if they want the nitty gritty. But And then, then they have, like in any good study, they have two reference units where they're not going to do anything. It's going to leave it alone, the Monroe and the Zion. So back to your question, and, and, and I want to preface this episode with i don't live in utah i've had a i've had one utah tag i've drawn three two of them i turned back uh in time so someone else could get them because i scouted and just didn't find what i wanted and um and or had hunt conflicts so i you know i have not spent a bunch of time in utah and it's not my state um you know, it's the, it's, it's south of me. You know, I, I know a lot of guys that hunt down there, but I, I don't want to come across and I know what's best for Utah. I'll just comment on just the intention of what you want to do on this podcast is just, just what do we think of these? So your question <laughs> is, can, can they isolate a unit and really conduct a study? I don't know, Dustin, but I got to kind of applaud Utah for trying some some things out of the box here and even if some of them maybe have been tried at different levels like the four point only and it didn't work well go listen to the episode i did with jeff short in cases they can work if they're applied correctly and not left in place for a long long time then they 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 can bump up the number of bucks in the herd although maybe not a bunch of big bucks but anyways but but the other stuff about you know, playing with season days, yes, that's been tried before. Heck, we've been all the way down to three three day seasons in Colorado and I think Utah too. And three days that seasons. was just enough of them to test that okay, that's where hunter satisfaction starts to fall off. Because even though there's a lot of hardcore guys and everything, if you look at the data across all the states, most guys hunt about four or five days, somewhere in there, no matter how long the season's open, and then they're done. And so by you know, sometimes shortening seasons, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Right, but Utah wants to try it, so let's try it. And the whole weapons restriction thing, I, 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 I'm glad they're going to try it because you know I've talked about it on on episodes on the Rockcast that I, I'm not against long range hunting because no one has shown me that it's making a significant difference on kill rates. Now, um, um, it may seem like it. Hey, that little kid shot a buck at 500 yards. Well, that little kid may have shot a bucket a hundred yards yeah. ten years ago with the old dot six. It's kind of what we're seeing with that is, you know, not that people aren't like you said taking longer shots. I think the number on the muzzleloader specifically, if we talk taking a muzzleloader from open site, let's say two hundred yard capability to, <laughs> you know, I mean, on average four hundred yards at least with these mm-hmm. scope muzzleloaders. The state of Utah, since they they made that change, I don't know, six or seven years ago. 2016. Okay. It's like three or 4% increase. Now that three or 4% of a, that's a, that's statewide of all the, all the deer permit. That's like three or four or 500 deer. I think that's what he said. It was 400 deer 
statewide more that would be harvested with a three, two and a half to three percent improved success rate. 400 deer across the state by moving uh, from open site to scope, which when he said that, I thought about it for a minute and I thought in any, any individual hunter would not even be able to detect that because that's 400 deer across the whole state. So, you know, that's a couple per unit maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, so I, I, but again, this is why I'm glad they're, they're looking into this. Cause I didn't know that if, you know, a couple months ago, somebody said, oh, yeah, how big of a difference do you think it makes for someone to have a scope muzzleloader? I'd, I'd have said, oh, yeah, 30 percent, 40 percent. You know, I'd have been pulling numbers out of my butt. Yeah. And, and and when they said that, I'm like, wow, is it that low? Is it that small of a difference? Yeah. And that's why I kind of have to applaud them of, of at least they're going to try it and, and see. Well, and, and that so that was one of the first things that stood out when the when the public comment came to be was you know and it was like 50 50 right just like things are in the world um half mm-hmm. the people were all for it half the people were appalled i guess now surprisingly when they voted it and they voted it up you know spoiler alert they voted it down and i think it's the third rack to vote this proposal down don't not Let me back up. so last night when you attended the meeting they voted down the equipment restriction rule everything the rack now again, this is again, this is not the wildlife commission like you said. The ultimate right, this vote. This is just the rack. This yeah. is the, this is when they go to these regional meetings. This is the third rack to completely vote down the entire proposal. Okay, so not just the weapon restrictions, mm-hmm. but the entire um, studying in the south, uh, yep. southern units, all the studies we just said. So far, they voted them down, but because they're advisory councils, that, that, that that's that's just a symbolic vote of hey. This these this region here does not want the that. the wild the wildlife board I think they're called in Utah yep. to implement these changes. And, okay, I'm with and you. And when that happened, they made it very clear, um, you know, to to I guess jump to the end so we can go back a little is they made it very clear that it, it wasn't necessarily Robbie that they didn't like this or that they didn't weren't going to approve it or be in favor of it. They did not like how it happened and how fast it happened. In other words, this has only been on the table for like what three or four weeks, if that. The proposal, um, but the the weapon restriction stuff. I believe that was all gathered through public comment last winter. The muzzleloader, uh, yeah, yeah. The, you're right. The okay. muzzleloader site probably has been the biggest one that I've heard of. I I haven't heard of any of these other planned like longbow only yeah, and stuff like I, that. I agree. Yeah, but, you're right. But it, you know, it, I'm sure that stuff's just kind of all just you know lumped in, right? But um, yeah, they were not happy about you know how quick it happened, and most importantly. They have, like they need one more freaking committee, um, leave it to Utah, right, to have a committee for their committees. But um, they have a mule deer specific committee that's a statewide mule deer committee. And I don't know what or who that's made up of. It sounds like just any other committee where they're, you know, they probably appoint one biologist and one random person and one guy, you know, from the state and one outfitter and one guide or something like that would be my guess, but they have a specific Mm -hmm. mule deer committee and the mule deer committee had not had a chance or even been involved in this whatsoever. So, so that's, what's given it traction to vote it down. That was a huge part of voting it down. And, and, and the, the way that, that Utah's structured their changes and their plan, they call it right. Is there on a, 
it's a four or five year deal and that ends like next year. And so a lot of the big argument was, you know, A, this is happening too quick. B, we haven't even consulted our mule deer committee. And C, we have a big, there's going to be a, a restructuring of our quote unquote plan for mule deer next year anyway. Why not just use this time, you know, this next year or so to really dig into this and decide what we want to do? The Rockcast is powered by the number one GPS hunting app in the industry, Onyx Hunt. The Onyx Hunt Elite subscription will provide way more value than the $100 annual fee will cost you, and that's before you apply the 20% Rockcast promo code. You'll use Onyx on every hunt, every planning session, and now save money with exclusive deals on gear from the industry's best. Onyx Elite also includes application and draw odds tools, educational resources for all species, exclusive mapping and scouting tools, and last but not least, access to nationwide coverage, and now Canada. Onyx Hunt Elite is trusted by millions. Onyx has also released new features to help make hunters more successful. Already known for nationwide public and private land ownership and being a fully functional GPS without service, Onyx Hunt has just released new aerial imagery options like Leaf Off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back, and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates Onyx has for this hunting season. So try Onyx Hunt for free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com and use promo code ROCKCAST for 20% off your new Onyx Hunt membership. This time you know this next year or so to really dig into this and decide what we want to do well great and yeah. uh, that, that's good that's good to know because again i'm still going to applaud utah for trying but great that the public's saying hey maybe we could support this maybe we can't too soon um that still feels like a little bit of progress to me um versus and, and you know you've listened to my episodes before Versus let's just cut tags because that's <laughs> yeah. what, that's the part that I, hopefully you're picking that up from me is can we do something else besides cut tags? Utah just a few years ago had overnight. Well, let me back up in the eighties, dude, when I was very first starting hunting, you know, Utah had the badge of honor of a quarter million deer tags sold. Now I'm not saying that was a good thing, but that, you know, they, 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 they were able to, they were able to um, sell that many licenses and, um, uh, maintain harvest rates, all that other stuff. And then, you know, just over the years, you know, the two thousands and everything, it went down into the hundred thousand range. And just a couple of years ago, it was I think 94,000. And now it's down in the low sixties, if I remember right, below 65,000. So, and having said that, I can't find a single Utah hunter that says the hunting is, is, is that much better, you know, re reduced tags by 40% in the last couple of years. And, and it's that much better. So I'm glad to be trying something else besides just slash permit well, numbers because everybody sits on this th on the side like, yeah, if we cut permit numbers, we're going to be fine. But, man, I've been through all this cutting of permit numbers in other states for years. Yeah, you end up sitting on the sidelines almost the rest of your life. This whole thing of, oh, I'm going to get a hunt every other year. <sighs> That's Robbie, not panning out in the good units. Okay, De devil's advocate it, with my questions here, at least because I'm I'm that yeah. guy. I'm that guy a little bit. Okay, and I, and I 
you and you know your conversation with Carter really comes up because you guys kind of this was like you know you could tell you guys agreed on ninety five percent of things, but then like all of a sudden, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it, it yep. seems it seems like those of us who grew up or hunt or have roots down in the southern half of the world, where deer maybe are more scarce in general, um, mm-hmm. there's you know we don't have the backcountry to hide bucks right. Uh, you know, we don't have the vegetation for sure. Like, you know, even the Northern half of Utah compared to the Southern half. And so I grew up now as a youth hunter, that was not the case. So don't, you know, this just applies to general adult type tags, but I just grew up where if you wanted to hunt the premium units, it was going to take three, four, five years of points. Right. And we were completely okay with that. There was a substantial amount of guys at this rack, you know, at least two or three uh, that stood up in the public comment and were like, this is, you know, this is, <laughs> I mean, everything but, you know, uh, you know, swear words against their mother. Like, this is so egregious that you would take away our family deer hunt and I want my tag every year and you could tell Robbie that they literally don't care about the quality or the maturity of the buck that they killed they literally just want a tag and to go out in the mountains and so I'm just asking where there has to be a line somewhere Robbie because down in those units you can't just give everyone tags and I'm telling you 50% of the state would vote for just over-the-counter tags throughout the whole state of Utah, right? But there has to be, you know, and and maybe it's right where it's at. Maybe there is room for less tags and wait a little bit longer and guys can migrate to other easier to draw units or something. But anyway, just what is that, what is that compromise or that answer with, you know, tag cuts versus trophy quality and over-the-counter availability down in that half of the world? Well, I don't live down there. So I, I, I'm a, a little out of my lane, even commenting on it. So I got to stay with the big picture. So I'll just hand back what I just said a minute ago. Utah had almost a hundred thousand deer permits just a few years ago, and now they have 60 and everybody's bitching. Yeah. Is it's not low enough. So are we going to go to 30,000? Is that going to help me? I don't know, Dustin, but I can, I can tell you this so far. The, 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 the big sweeping tag cuts to me don't seem to be uh, taking us to the promised land like a lot of the big buck hunters do, of which I'm in that camp. And then I always try to remind everybody, I had to, I had to swallow this pill a long time ago when I really started working with fishing game and volunteering and really getting the 10,000 foot picture of game management. And people are going to hate me for saying this, but the resource is not just for the big buck hunters. Okay. That guy that stood up in the meeting and made an impassioned plea that he wants to take his family hunting has just as much right to the resource as us. So I get I'm, a little cringy when people are saying, oh, they don't even care about the resource. No, they care about the resource. They, yeah. they care about the resource. They care about the resource as much as they understand it and utilize it. Yeah. And because I've grown, around, grown up around a lot of that, and again, this is, this is not apples to apples because you make a great point. The southern, the southern deer can be more vulnerable, no backcountry, more roads, more susceptible to drought, things like that. Um, the, those guys that went out and got a two-point, no, no harm by me, man. They're gone by the second day of the season. And, I, and, 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 the, the, and, and Jeff Short talked about this. Gary Freilich talked about this. A lot of those two points die anyways. That's a lot. There, there's, a, there, there's a lot of mortality in those age classes anyway. So, so not all of them, 
you know, are going to die. Not, not even, not even close, but it's not like every hunter that doesn't shoot a two point that that two point is going to survive. Now yeah. there is an inflection point where you harvest too many. <laughs> I'm not saying harvest is not too high in some years. I'm not at all. Not at all. I think one of the best thing Utah did was go to uh, the model that Colorado did and managing on a, on a unit by unit basis. I think, I think that's smart because you know, back to what we started, very started talking about. Can you just take a unit and study it? Well, yeah, yeah, you can actually. One unit doesn't mean it's going to, you can extrapolate your data to the next unit, but at least you know what's going on. And I have to applaud Utah for, for managing that way. And I think they almost have to. I wish, with the population I wish Wyoming, have. yeah, I wish Wyoming would get on that a little bit more. Yeah. So anyways, Dustin, I don't have the answer, dude, but I just keep pointing to the fact of, well, we're cutting tags now in a lot of places and it's it, it a lot of people are still complaining that's that's really where i gotta stay because i don't have any data beyond that is it, is it i just know this i can tell you this when you cut them you very rarely get them back that's yeah. what scares me you rarely get to go the other way well i don't know about that because because at least in utah let's look at utah as, a, as an example only because I don't, I'm not sure how all these other states decide what their tags numbers are going to be. Um, but Utah is Robbie. They're very strictly buck to doe ratio. And for instance, on I think Pine Valley was the only unit that at least got, at least didn't cut tags, but possibly increased last year. I, I, or this year. I yeah, can't. I think there was an increase down there. That okay. was kind of what some people were complaining and, about because it's like, well, we had a hard winter, but they didn't have one down there. Right, right. And and all it took was a 0.5 above the minimum, right? I think their target down there is 15 to 18 buck per doe on that unit. Mm -hmm. And and uh, all it took was like an 18.5, Robbie, and guess what they did? Boop. They bumped the tags up. Okay. Right. So I don't, I don't, I, I agree with everything you said. So <clears throat> I'm not, you know, but, but I feel like Utah is actually the other way. They're almost a little trigger happy um, when they get that number. And, and here's the kicker is I've heard, I've heard guys that are, are that do live down there and they're really close to it, that those guys, those biologists can use either the individual last year or the mm -hmm. three year average if they want mm -hmm. right they they can kind of like well how do we want this to go well last year we had 22 buck per doe or this year whatever so you know but the previous year's average of three was only you know 17 but they can still justify it that way or whatever so i'm not saying mm -hmm. that that happens i'm just saying it seems like they have that that leeway in Utah. I don't, right. I but don't on a get the impression. Level, we've yes. gone from 95,000 deer tags right. to 60,000. Right. Everybody's that's, that's what I mean. You're yeah, the, right. The numbers, They've adjusted them up and down. Yeah. The numbers but, still, they are what they are. You're right. Uh, but when tags get cut, uh, you usually, you can almost count on them not coming back. I can, I can count. I, I got 10 fingers and I can fill each one with a hunt in Idaho that has been taken away or limited or tags dropped and it's not come back. Yeah. And, and some of that is winters. And I get, I, I totally get all that. But that's why I'm real careful when I say, oh, yeah, let's just keep cutting tags. Let's keep, keep cutting opportunities so I can get a big buck. Um, because at some point, we'll, we'll hit that inflection point where there's more big bucks on the landscape. And it's not 2000 now. The Internet is not a baby anymore. All right. There's not just a little three page stapled 
flyer from um, Garth Carter that, that came out that showed you the units now. Yeah. No, every single Everything. person can yeah. access this data, and there's not one hunt that can pop up now that people are not all over. There's so many people sitting on the sidelines with points, so many people. It doesn't matter how good the deer hunting gets because of limited quota hunting. If you are not sitting there with a big flush of points, you are not yep. likely not going to be able to uh, take advantage of it, especially if you're a non-resident. Now, if you're a resident, you may have a little advantage. But, dude, some of the stuff I hear out of southern Utah is guys are bitching now because they, they're residents, and they're having to wait. I don't three, know the numbers because I don't know. There you go. Thank you. Three, three four years. Three, four years probably. Okay, there you go, buddy, right there. And is the hunting drastically better? I hear it's not. And then yeah, when I stand back again, it's like, well, yeah, man, a massive drought in, what, 1920? I mean, they really got set back on their heels. You know, it seems to be healing up right now. Um, and so, you know, if we're going to battle weather with, with nothing but permit cuts, I don't know, Dustin. It's, it's, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying that. That you, that you can't do that. I'm not even saying I wouldn't support it in, in some cases, but if it just becomes the easy button on the desktop, cut permits, cut permits, cut permits, cut permits, cut permits, dude, 10 years from now, I hate to think what it's going to be like based on what has happened in the last 10 as far as hunt opportunity. Well, and, and is, is another way to look at that as, as I'm kind of processing it, like is it one of those things where if the deer herd's struggling – Okay. If there aren't, if there's half as many bucks or mature bucks or whatever, then it doesn't matter how many tags are out there. There's not bucks to kill. And if there is bucks, then, then, you know, then it's going to work itself out that way too. But like, it's almost one of those anomalies where, you know, the, the bucks will take care of themselves. If there's not bucks to kill, then they can't kill the bucks. Right. I mean, is that kind of like a, yeah, but I think that's a big cop out and that's not sound wildlife management either. I know, I know, you know, we do that. Like, like it, it's funny. And Jeff Short even said it. He says, you know, we're putting in a, a three-pointer better this year because that's what the public wants. Uh, this is Wyoming specifically, hard winter units, you know, epic winter. Um, and he said, so there, we're basically trying to protect a segment of bucks that doesn't even really exist. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I guess I didn't think about that. Um, you know, that, that, and that's, what, that's the problem with this knee-jerk stuff, Dustin. And, um, and Gary Fralick said it just a few weeks ago in that, that while I think you shared it, in fact, on Instagram when Gary was saying, yeah, we, we implemented a bunch of things. And then he had a little disclaimer there that, you know, the public wanted them, but there hasn't really been evidence that this stuff is going to work <laughs> on a wide scale. You know, and I, th I think he was referring to the APRs, you know, a lot more increased lion harvest, you know, stuff like that. So, dude, I'm getting off the rails again, like I always do. Um, all I know, this is what I like. This is what I like. Utah is having the debate and people are getting involved. And e even if they're, they're passionate on both sides, that's okay. That's what we need. That's what this country was founded on. And, and the great thing is we have, we have, you know, what, eight, nine, 10 Western states, depending on how you, how, how you count them. And they all have different management strategies and we can all steal and borrow from each other and see what has worked um, and, and, and apply that or try it or not try it. That, that's the part that's refreshing to me that at least they're trying and I'm not saying they're going to get it right, but I know one thing, the whole slash 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 mentality is not producing what we thought it would. And, and now, you know, a lot of people point to Colorado in 99 when they slap, they cut deer hunting pressure roughly in half, let's say, 
it worked. There was no doubt. They had favorable weather to help to help uh, along the way. You know, 2000 through 2007 in that's Colorado it, was very that's when it boomed. Very, Mm. It did, but but I will not say that it wasn't the permit numbers that helped. No, they totally helped. It made a big difference. But but That's remember, not the internet was a baby. Yeah. Hunting Fool was just now becoming a a, a glossy publication from a newsletter uh, style publication, and you know they were gaining thousands of members a year. And I'm not just picking on Hunting Fool. I'm not picking on them at all. I'm just saying that was the information resource at the time. You know that's been multiplied by ten now, and um um. It, it, it was hard for people to adapt to that change in Colorado. And dude, I had been hunting Colorado since 93 and I still, it caught me off guard, this big recovery that they had, you know, I was still focusing on their heavy limited quota units that had always been limited quota. And yet my buddies are like, dude, look at this buck. We got, we, we got on the leftover list. Uh, it wasn't even a leftover <laughs> yeah. list back then. It was just a leftover tag. You know, you just buy it over just the phone buy it. Yeah. And, and dude, I'm like, well, that's a better buck than what I'm seeing here. <laughs> it caught us off guard. And, and, and so the, and, and we didn't have all the point holder sitting on the sidelines that could just jump on every opportunity and we all had to build i mean i had like one or two points we had to build points and uh, you know some of the stuff didn't even take points i we couldn't duplicate that now if, if, if let's just say utah went to you know very low permit numbers thirty thousand permits and um um, you know the buck the buck population just boomed and there are you know 18 hot units it wouldn't we wouldn't be able to take advantage of it in my mind like like we did in colorado uh, because there's too many people sitting sitting there that could just jump on the opportunity yeah. now. And, and the information travels too fast. Colorado, it still took a few years for people to really realize what was Catch going on. on in Colorado. Man, I remember sitting in the cafe talking to Garth Carter, and um, uh, um, and, and even he was like, my gosh, I can't, every unit we scout is just full of big bucks, and it wasn't a couple of years ago. And, and that's why uh, that, that book review I did with uh, David Knight that was on the Rockcast a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about those days, about just all the hay fields were full of giant bucks, and leftover uh, tags were, you know, that were equivalent to a tag now that would take 10 or 15 points to draw because people just it just caught them by surprise that would not happen now that that that, that's what i'm saying that would not happen now any great opportunity is going to be if it's limited if it's limited through tag numbers there's not going to be enough Uh, any individual hunter there will not be enough tags for you to be able to count on hunting it yeah yeah, I mean, we, we were what I would just call an average, you know, run-of-the-mill deer hunters when I was in that era, right, growing up, two thousand mm-hmm. early 2000s. It wasn't even on our radar, right? We nope. didn't, I mean, I'm, I don't know that we were subscribed to that, you know, one or two magazines or whatever, but still, like, you know, it wasn't until my brother and I kind of got into, for, you know, er, like 2007, 2008, when we really started taking this all serious, and we started seeing right there's always a lag on those those hunt film videos and stuff and we'd Mm -hmm. see you know david long uh you know all of a sudden just i mean every year he's on a bow hunt right with his matthews or whatever he had just smoking a 190 inch deer in the in the you know we all knew where he was once we saw it but but how big a lag did that take for you know that film to come out and and it to circulate and everyone to see it i mean that was how you got information and you know, it took, like you said, it took eight years for people to 
to really like move to a unit and now it takes eight minutes um, <laughs> you, you got it brother. yeah that's, so that's what i think has changed and i think that's why we got to keep beating up these deer proposals and you know do better management now oh i'm, I'm for all of that stuff but you know well, and if we think we're going to create a deer hunting mecca that only us are going to know about nope those days are over that's never coming yeah. back you are not going to get that toothpaste back in the tube you know, and, and, and maybe to, to sum up holistically, right, for the guy, because I, listen, I am the guy. I want the big, 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 big bucks. I will vote every single time, Robbie, every time the surveys come through, whether it's Wyoming or Utah or, you know, friggin' Alabama. I don't care. I'm going to vote that we, that we do everything we can to put more bigger bucks on the landscape and, and limit a little opportunity while swallowing the pill that you mentioned about understanding that that's okay if everyone else doesn't want that and I have to be part of the team so to speak yeah. right and so that that pill for me is about halfway down the gullet right now right because mm -hmm. a couple of years ago I would have you know we would have just not seen eye to eye but I'm with you I am because it I can't it's not my prerogative to tell them you know, we can lead by example and Hey, I'm, you know, I, I passed on multiple bucks this year alone, right. That we're in that but 160 pushing mm -hmm. 170 probably, mm -hmm. um, you know, and all, all we can do is just, Hey, you know, maybe if you, if you want bigger, you know, like, Hey, maybe if this is something you want that you, uh, pass on bucks too. Uh, but it's not my prerogative to tell those guys how they get to utilize the, the resource. Um, so that being said too, uh, you and I have the, the luxury, not luxury, but we have the ability to go hunt other States. Right. And so mm -hmm. on a micro level, I, I hear, you know, like you're saying, like, uh, let's make it, you know, easier to get tags and let's keep tag numbers and think of other ways. And on a micro level, I'm like, ah, but then on the big picture, I've always believed that big not, not even big buck, but just guys who are in it, guys who are really in it, like I feel like we are, they always find a way. They mm -hmm. always can, you know, whether it's, okay, this year I know, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Colorado because I have the points now because I've been building them. But next year I'm going to, this year I'm going to jump into, you know, Idaho. Um, you know, th like this year I passed on getting an over-the-counter Idaho tag because I was like, well, I'm going to hunt this and this. I probably won't do that this year. I'll probably try and grab a tag, right? So anyway, the, the guys who are willing to move around the West um, and are building points in multiple states, you, you can kind of, you know, in other words, just tell me where the rules are and where Utah's going to fall, and I'll use them to my advantage. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, totally, dude. And I think it doesn't even have to apply to guys that jump around a lot. They could apply to the residents, too. Probably, dude, maybe even more so, because they have more access to the tags, and they can really fine-tune their, their uh, let's call it an application strategy. They can really fine-tune it. And, 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 dude, there's so much opportunity in Idaho right now, even with the restrictions, even though there's not a lot of big bucks right now. And I don't blame the fishing game for that, man. You know, we, we have gone through – epic winners and 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 not just this last year but 16 17 18 in a lot of places you know i, I can't lay that on fishing games feet but what you just said the whole principle of you can find a way 
to to access bigger mature bucks yeah maybe we're not going to have a bunch of 230s on the landscape okay i get it uh we honestly we never really have maybe since the 60s and even then most guys weren't getting them i got a whole bunch of uncles that are 70 to 80 years old that didn't get them and they grew up in the heyday and um different discussion but but you you can find a way i think as long as the deer herd is managed well enough and that's why i just don't want to over manage the deer herd to where there's no opportunity at all and i don't want to i the 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 other i don't even know if it's half it's probably more than half every survey they do in every state dustin people rank high that they want to be able to hunt every year, just like that guy that was impassioned mm-hmm. at the meeting last night. That's his family and everything. I'm not afraid of those guys. I'm really not. I don't think they're taking that much opportunity from us under under a, in a lot of units, especially with October dates and you know if we especially if we start t- tuning back our technology and everything. I think we can have a little bit of of it all. And and to your point, we can find a way to still hunt those. I hunted a unit just a couple weeks ago in Colorado that was not a great unit. You can get it zero points every single year. I still saw a 180 buck and almost killed him. How good does it need to be? I'd rather have a chance to kill that 180 and and get to go again next year or no more than another year then hey man i guess you and you know this there's a couple of units down there man you have a legitimate chance at 200 i'm never gonna get out on them i don't even care about those units you know what i mean yeah and, uh, so so yeah you can you can use this you can use this stuff to to find find ways to hunt but i just don't want to be the you know get off my lawn you're not hunting here you know because that that's just what it feels like when when I, when I talk to a lot of guys, you know, they're anti-hunting hunters is what they are. They are so pissed off when someone gets a two-point and someone gets a three-point. If it's, you know, if they didn't get a big, I mean, you know what, if they get a big buck, they're still, they still find a reason to pick it apart. I just don't want to be in that crowd. You pursue them, you cherish them, and now it's time to protect them. This is the Mule Deer Foundation. Our mission is the conservation of mule deer, black-tailed deer, and their habitats, the heart and soul of the West. Join the herd today and help us preserve the legacy of these majestic creatures for generations to come. Your membership supports essential conservation projects, research initiatives, and educational programs that secure a future for mule deer and black-tailed deer. Our deer, our heritage, our responsibility. Don't just witness their journey, be a part of it. Join the herd. Together, we can make a difference. Visit muledeer.org today. Yeah, and, and to, to almost circle back where we started, which which I feel like was kind of the, the APRs, right? Which which of all the stuff that was proposed down there, um, man, the data, like if just that one study that I went, that you referenced uh, with Jeff, I think, and, you know, went back and they had, you know, they've got a half a dozen different examples out of the state of Wyoming and then another half dozen in the state of Wyoming of it not working long term, mm-hmm. um, you know, my my knee jerk when I heard the APR was ah that's that's the answer, and mm-hmm. Robbie I was actually right and the reason I was right is because I had a big assumption that wasn't true in my head and that assumption was oh if we put in these four point APRs for example other guys are like me and they're 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 
they're not still not going to kill a two and a half year old four point because that's not what right. we're after, right? Right. People who hunt four point bucks are after the hundred and eighty inch buck, so that's perfect because it you know it forces even the the guy who will shoot the two point. I was wrong with that assumption, and that that's why it was wrong, right? And and so that that principle or that that idea that I had to wrap around my head when you said or you and Jeff were talking about, hey, you know, it's okay because these guys are going to go kill a buck that you're not even after anyway, <laughs> right? Like, right. like these guys just want to take their two-point home um, mm -hmm. that it wasn't the buck that you were after anyway, mm -hmm. you know, and now the three-and-a-half-year-old deer that you're after next year got to got the pass because – you know, or the, or, or even the two and a half year old deer that happened to sneak through because there's less pressure on that, you know, that two and a half year old that's already got four points because he's got awesome genetics. There's a little less pressure. And they, they even had those numbers like, you know, it drops from anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. But, I, th I, th I think what you're saying is, and that's what I realized too, is that when I, when I put in an APR, I'm making everybody a big buck hunter. They're all chasing That's why I'm not against the guy that stands up at the meeting and says, man, we just want to go get a two-point. That's okay with me. Yeah. Let's manage so that there's enough opportunity that he can do that. Because if yeah. I make him stick around uh, uh, with, with an APR, that now I'm making him a big buck hunter. Now he's after the bucks I really want to, want to get. you know. Or, and, and, so I, and, and that's why I think, and, and Jeff said, it, APRs can work in the short term. They can buck up, bump up a buck-to-doe ratio. You know, in, in a couple of years, you can see it go up. But once they get above, you know, two and a half, three and a half years old, everybody's going to that unit. Yeah. And, and, so then... <laughs> and, and is that is that buck doe ratio with mature bucks or is that with one and a half year old bucks? <laughs> Yeah, right. I can't remember, <laughs> but but it, you know, you said it. Go look at the study. Everybody is out there. Jeff Short, a Wyoming biologist. Um, uh, uh, but but I'm still not against Utah at least trying some of these things. And if it all gets shot down at the rest of the rack meetings, they don't approve. Okay, well at least we had the debate. But I would be happy to see this get approved. And of course, it's not in my backyard, and I'm sure that's why those guys are voting against it. You know, yeah. but. It would be kind of cool to see what what would come out of this. It would answer a lot of questions for a lot of us. You know, would, 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 is limiting technology even going to make that big of a deal? You know, I've always said that. If it's not going to work, why try it? Why do it? But we don't know because we have never done that. And, you know, studying all that, those different units with the different management seasons, man, that it's worth a try. But but if it doesn't pass, I hope we don't just give up and keep cutting permit numbers. I'll, I'll end on that, Dustin. Yeah. Yep, and so it, it it was very much again to to wrap up. It was very much not over. It was just you know the the impression I got was okay. They're all they all want to take a deep breath and go back to their corners and really think this through and and put it through the right channels. So, you know, don't don't think that hey, if this is the first time hearing of this or you know or maybe I you know I thought originally this stuff didn't apply to me um, but now you're thinking man I actually have an opinion or whatever it's not over right this was just yeah. fact, like Robbie said this is just three of the of the five racks we I think um, and and all they did was just table it basically and say hey hold on let's go through a couple more channels here I imagine that there will be a massive big uh, push if if this all does get voted down and uh, who knows I know how Utah can work I I wouldn't surprise me if that wildlife commission can override the whole thing and say okay great we don't care what they happened to the rack and they voted in right. anyway wouldn't even surprise me in Utah but 
uh, regardless, it's not it's not done and out. It's just tabled for the moment and and still very much uh, going to be discussed. I'm sure. So, Robbie. Yeah, you bet, buddy. I'm with you, man. Let's try to do an episode when we when when we hear more and everything because you're great because you've hunted down there. You've lived there for ten years, and um, uh, it, it'd be great to kind of run run this back through through you again and and discuss this stuff. And I really appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and at this point, if uh, nothing else, we probably always run into each other at the Hunt Expo in a few months. So. I'm uh, dude, sure. I just looked for the hat. I just looked for the hat. There he is right there. Oh, well, we got a rock star. Oh, he's drinking rock stars, man. He's big time now. He's not drinking the dollar dollar energy drinks. He's back up to the $3, man. He must be doing pretty good at Gunworks over there. And, and uh, hey, speaking of Gunworks, man, you guys are a Rockslide advertiser, man. I want to see you a little bit more on the side, dude. I want to see you. Uh, we're going to have our cold bore challenge again this spring. Um, mm. You do. You need to get in that. That's fun. And uh, come out and uh, show, show us what those cold yeah, we did a cold bore last year, uh, 400 yards minimum. Uh, to, you had to qualify at 400 yards minimum. I think two shots within a 10 inch uh, uh, plate, whatever you put up, and uh, cold bore different days. And then if you got two in there, you could move to any yardage beyond 600. It had to be a minimum of 600 then. And then uh, two cold bores different days. Uh, you hit that, then you're then you're qualified for prizes. And, and it was pretty fun. And, and like, like it, it was in our cold bow challenge, Archery. it was a big, big eye opener for a lot of guys. They never got to shoot the 600 because they couldn't qualify at the 400. <laughs> and these are guys that, you know, thought that they were proficient mm-hmm. to seven, eight and, and kudos to them for admitting it, you know, cause that, yeah, that's the hard thing about these cold bows and cold boars, man. You, you got to admit it to the world. I missed. So we'd love to see you in that, brother. You you make sure. Hey, hopefully by then I'm through all the uh, the AVB thread uh, posts and I have time to. <laughs> oh gosh, dude, I, I don't know how to feel about those threads. That poor guy. I think I think he got his dues, and and we've been watching it pretty close on Rockslide, and uh, you know most it most of it's just kind of memes and stuff like that. We we've we've done away with all the name calling and everything, but yeah. but yeah, they're pretty addicting, dude. It's pretty hard for me not to click on them too. That's a that's a whole podcast for another day. There you go, man. All right, brother. Okay, brother. Always thank you. Thank you. Yep, see ya.